Welcome back to MBEF's In The Know podcast. This is your host, Ellen Padnos. Today, I sat down with Irene Gonzalez-Castillo. Irene is the Assistant Superintendent of Educational Services at MBUSD. In our interview, we discuss where she and her team are focusing their time and energy and specific ways they are measuring our students' abilities to make sure as a district we are improving year over year. She also talks about learning at every level and how she and her team continue to grow and improve the curriculums. It's a huge job and we're so grateful to have her in it. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Irene. I'm so happy to meet you. Thanks for taking the time to sit down with me today. No, thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, it's truly a pleasure. And you're busy. This has been on my calendar (laughs) for like two months. So I know this hour is valuable. So today I just want to talk about the way you're growing our core curriculum and how you're looking at at all of our kids' education. So as the assistant superintendent of educational services, what are you up to? (laughs) So there's so much happening in educational services. And I have been in this role since August of 2021. Before that, I was the assistant superintendent of student services. So I've been in the school district here in Manhattan Beach for almost three years. And in educational services, Our department's role is to ensure that teaching and learning is happening at the most excellent level across our school district, preschool to grade 12 and beyond. That's a big, that's a big initiative. That's, you're covering a lot there. Yes. And we want to make sure that we're looking at preschool. I know sometimes we think about districts as K-12, but preschool is a very important part of our school district here in Manhattan Beach. And we know that early learning is critical for student success later on in life. And having those connections between preschool and kindergarten, actually TK now, is very important for the school district. That's great. So I would love some maybe examples at each different level. Do you? I would assume you have a department because this sounds like a huge undertaking. You have a department and is it broken up where different people do different grade levels? So we have a department, educational services, and it's a small department. <laughs> and we'll probably, I'm sure, speak about that a little bit later in the conversation. We have a special education is also part of educational services. So we have a director of special education and we also have a coordinator of MTSS, which stands for multi-tiered systems of support. And that is basically taking a look at all the ways that we support all learners, no matter where they are in their learning trajectory. We also have three teachers uh, on special assignment. So we have, they're called TOSAs. We have a TOSA who supports our English learners in our school district. And we also have a TOSA who supports mathematics. Primary support is in middle school, but she supports teaching and learning across the district. And then we have a third TOSA who works in our MTSS program. Okay. How do you even start? Can you give me an example of a project that you're working on where you are working to increase the excellence in that subject matter? Let's see. There's so many. <laughs> you can give me a couple examples because I'm just curious how this works cause, Works because on the parent side, we, we only have our one perspective. So I would love to hear your perspective and how you're looking at these classes. Okay. So I, one example is in the area of literacy. And just to make sure the public understands this piece, we do not have a literacy TOSEM. Okay. But we know that literacy is important across all content areas. So what we're looking at right now as a department, we are taking a look at how we assess our students from kindergarten through grade eight. So what we're focusing on now with this assessment called STAR. It's a a universal screener where we can 
get a sense of where students are in their reading and math instruction, but we're talking about reading right now. And we can be responsive to what we're seeing as far as how are they doing in meeting standards by the end of the school year. So part of that work involves looking at the data and talking with grade level teams at each school to look at their data and talk about where they see as far as next steps in their instruction for all, maybe for small groups of students. We're also doing that with a department at middle school in English language arts, humanities. So with that, we are also identifying potential needs for professional development, for instructional materials, and other supports that, that are needed. So that's just one example when we think about literacy instruction is that the data is where we start having the conversation with site staff and um, taking a look at what resources are needed. Great. That's a great example. Thank you. So is STAR a test that all K through 8th graders take? And is that how you collect the data? Yes. Okay. Um, K through 8. And there's different types of assessments. But this is one that we've instituted uh, last year when Dr. Uh, Witter Kristoff was here. She started STAR administration, I believe it was last spring. But this is the first full year where we've administered it three times in the year. Oh, you so we, have? Oh, yeah. I didn't know about that. Yeah. My kids never came really down and told me. Okay. So it's three times in the year. And we are in this, it's kindergarten, actually, you know, first grade through eighth grade. Okay. So kindergarten has a different assessment, but first through eighth, we have math and English language arts assessments within the STAR assessment system. Oh, okay. I know this is your second year of data. Will you judge your success if you see the trends going up? Yes. And we. And this is one measure. So I think it's important to note that we have, this is one measure to take a look throughout the year. It's a snapshot in time, right? To see how our students doing overall. Okay. But we also have other assessments that we use. So I know that our teachers use what we call the FNP. It's Fontes and Pinnell. Mm -hmm. It's a reading assessment. And they use that to inform instruction throughout the school year. And of course, there are other measures teachers use. So I think it's important to look at multiple sources, not just one to judge our students' progress. But this is an important one. And we can look at that over time. Great. Wow. What a, that sounds like a wonderful addition to the district and a great way to keep ourselves on track Yes, as, te as teachers and things like that. How about in math? Because I know math is such a critical piece of success. Can you speak to what you're doing to make sure that our math department is on track and continues to improve for our students? That, that's a great question. And we are, we're very lucky that we have a math TOSA based funded through the Ed Foundation. What I want to share with math is that we also have the STAR assessment for math, and that is also being administered for first through eighth grade. And we're also engaging in the same process with the roundtable discussions. These discussions with staff have been facilitated by our MTSS coordinator and TOSA. The piece that I think we are- Can you remind me yeah. again of MTSS? Oh, yes. oh, I know you told me, yeah. I'm sorry. It's a, these acronyms. <laughs> I just want to, this is such great information. Yeah. I just want to make sure we all it's, understand it. Yes, multi-tiered systems of support. Okay. A lot of acronyms and a lot of fancy words, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but basically what it, it's about is meeting students wherever they are on the continuum of learning. And so when we look at data, that helps us when we're taking a look at which students maybe have not met the expectation that we would expect at that time of the year, students who are, who've met it and those who have exceeded. And what do we do to address their learning needs? So with the math assessment, this is one piece, again, the STAR assessment, and we have utilized that first to eighth grade. 
we're very excited that our math Tosa is back with us now. And part of her work will be to engage in these conversations. She is our math content expert to support staff in next steps. Okay. So this is something that we want to continue to focus in on. And I think as we look at the future years, look at next year, is take a look at lesson design in mathematics. And what is our data telling us? Where do our students have gaps? How do we design lessons to help support those? And how do we know it's making a difference? That's why we need the math expertise of Atosa to help support that work. This sounds great. This prompts a couple other questions for me. First of all, what are we doing with high school? Because I know if STAR is for first through eighth grade, how are we helping our high school students? So right now, we do not have a universal screener for ninth through 12th grade. We're using a screener for specific um, classes. So we are talking with the high school right now about possibly utilizing it in some of our math classes, but we are not there yet. Using a screener? I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Sorry. The universal screener is the STAR assessment, which is... Oh, okay. um, So it's this, it would just be... Yes. K through 12 instead of K through 8. Um, But the other piece is... I think that we could do more take advantage of some of the interim assessment blocks and what these tests are. I'm so sorry. I'm going to interrupt just because I really want to understand you. What are the interim assessment blocks? So we have, as I think everyone knows, we have our state tests, right, through mm-hmm. the SBAC system. And with the state testing, we also have access to assessments that we can use throughout the year that are standards-based to help monitor our students' growth in meeting state standards by the end of the school year. These interim assessment blocks, is what they're called, those are available to all teachers in the state of California. So I believe this is an area that we can grow in is utilizing these type of assessments that are available for us as another source. Oh, great. So like maybe that and the STAR, yeah. and you could really get a good picture of where the students are. Yes. Okay. And I also just want to also emphasize that you know, these are tests that already exist and they've, of course, been validated. At the same time, we know it's important for teachers to, to develop common assessments that they use in their, in their department or course alike or grade level and bring that information to their collaborative team meetings and talk about what are we seeing as far as student progress on our common assessments we're developing. So I think when we consider assessments, we should have different types of assessments to make sure that we're getting a full picture of a student. I, that sounds perfect. Is more of your focus K through eight or nine through 12? Or is it, are you pretty much equally spread through through all grades? This year, I would say, because this is my first year in educational services in Manhattan Beach, I am, I also have experience in at services in my former district. So I have a lot of kind of experience to draw from. I am doing my best this year to build relationships with staff across preschool to 12. Okay. And I feel like I'm that this is pretty evenly split as far as how I am spending that time. As I do that though, I also need to think about where do I deploy our TOSAs? Where is where are they, where is the most need and what do we need to focus in on based on our priorities and initiatives? So I would say that this year with our TOSAs, a lot of the work has happened K-8. Okay. And what we're working on now, the sec- this last couple of months is thinking about, okay, so now how do we better support the high school in some of this work? Because we don't have the same access to the and, and assessments that we, we have in K-8 or the expertise necessarily that we are trying to build to help better support K-12. Uh, 
912. And we also, just as, as um, a reminder, our TOSAs, just as an example, our math TOSA. She is a K-12 TOSA, but her primary focus is middle school. And of course, there, there are needs at elementary and at, at high school. So it's an example of where any additional support is really needed if we're going to look at tackling mathematics and how do we increase our students, you know, performance even more than it's already very high. We look at how our students are doing in mathematics, but I know we can do even more. Right. So I think more emphasis needs to be placed in mathematics pre-K to 12. Great. Can you explain the way TOSAs work with students? Because one teacher doesn't sound like a lot or one teacher on special assignment doesn't sound like a lot for so many kids. Can you please tell me how that scales? So right now, what I have seen this year, again, my, a lot of this year has been gathering information, getting to know our staff, taking a look at instructional practices, how we people are utilized. What I have noticed this year is our, our TOSAs support teachers in um, looking at data, problem solving, lesson planning. Some teachers are also really taking advantage of that time and sign up for time with our TOSAs to come into the classroom and actually co-teach. And if they get to co-teach, then you have another adult in the room who's also helping to work with students, asking questions, helping to clear up any misconceptions, and then sharing that information with the teacher. So I think that is the TOSA support is best when we actually see TOSAs co-teaching in a classroom, debriefing that the lesson, what they saw, and then talking about next steps. So almost like a specialist in the room when a teacher is teaching math. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. That's not where I thought you were going to go. I thought you were going to say through YouTube because I remember my daughter watching the videos, which I thought was an incredible way to scale and to be able to reach a lot of kids at the same time. So, and I think I know that Holly Compton, our math TOSA, did a lot of work in, in that area and she in, was producing videos and posting them and sharing them. And I, I think we need to do more of that work as well. I think there's, there's such power in being in the classroom and on the spot opportunities for coaching and support and also for gathering information about student learning right there on the spot. So, right. And once the videos are made, they're there for yes. kids, for teachers to point to if, if a student needs extra support. Yes. Great. So you have talked about literacy. You've talked about math. What are the other um, core subjects that you and your team are thinking about? So with history, social science, that's definitely an area that we are taking a look at because the last um, adoption from the state as far as framework adoption. So just I'll take a step back. The State Department of Education regularly reviews content standards for all core subjects and frameworks. And the framework for history, social science was revised in 2016, and we um, have not adopted new materials that are aligned with that framework across all grade levels. We've adopted in grades, now middle school, because the board just took action to adopt for sixth and seventh grade. Last year, we adopted eighth. So sixth through eighth, now we'll have standards aligned, framework aligned, instructional materials. We want to take a look at elementary next year and look at a K or TK5 adoption in high school. So as we think about history, social science, we want to make sure that our materials are aligned with the framework. And I think with that, and it connects, it, it connects with all content areas, we need to start developing curriculum maps so that it's clear for all staff and also for families so they understand 
what does a curriculum look like? What are our students learning? Yeah. So with history, social science, I'm expecting that one, now that we finished this adoption with six through eight, next year, we would want that team to come together to start developing these curriculum maps. That's interesting. And that's a piece where I feel like we need to continue to, de- we need to develop it, focus in on over the next several years. Great. Thank you. As you look at your department, where do you see the greatest needs? And if you had more resources, how would you grow your department? So there are a couple of places where I feel like we need to grow in our department because we have a very small team. And as you were asking earlier, earlier, Ellen, about how do we support pre-K to 12? It is very challenging to do that with, for example, one math TOSA who's working pre-K 12. And when we look at the expertise needed across all content, it, it, it is, there's a lot that I think a TOSA need to be able to support all grade levels. So I would say that a great need for us is to have more content-specific teachers on special assignment who have, they, they, they just come out of the classroom, so they have current experience in the classroom, but that we also need to invest in those TOSAs so they're up to date with the latest as far as curriculum, content, best practices in teaching and learning. So I think we, my recommendation would be to have more content area TOSAs that can support the different grade spans. The second piece is we, we, I believe that assessing and evaluating programs is very important. When we think about when we hire new staff, where we need new staff, what professional development we need to provide, how we best support our resources, programming such as GATE is another piece that I, that we want to focus in on as, as we look at next year. We need evaluation of our programs regularly. But right now, we do not have a data evaluation and assessment position in our department. I think that's an important component. Great. It makes sense. If you're doing all these assessments on our students, you would like to measure that you are meeting the needs of your students. Exactly. Okay, great. Thank you for that. So when you get out of bed in the morning, what are you thinking about for our students? What is your core goal for your career? Because I'm sure as an educator... You're thinking about this all the time and you want to do the best for the 6,000 kids in our district. What's your goal? Healthy, it's a big question. Yeah, it is a big uh, question. Sorry. It, no, no, it is, it is, it's a great question. And it is actually the first thing I think about when I get up in the morning and I think about what I have planned for the day. And I also think about what at the end of the week, I, I look at my calendar and it's very busy. And I think about where did I spend my time? Who did I meet with? And how is it supporting all students in our school district? So what I'm thinking about is how am I best utilizing my time to support teaching and learning for all students at all levels, all content areas. And I have to always bring myself back to that's very broad. It's big picture. That's what we're aiming for and what I'm aiming for every day. At the same time, I want to make sure that I'm identifying what are the specific needs in every core content area. What are the specific needs I'm hearing from departments, from teacher teams, from families? From that's what I think about. I'm just thinking about an example is the STEM group. This, we have makerspace teachers in elementary science specialists, elementary. We are makerspace teachers uh, that teach the wheel and courses at MBMS or courts at MBMS and also our technology and engineering department, COSTA. And so I, during the year, I've gotten to know the team in different ways, visiting their classrooms and talking to them individually. 
And in those conversations, what came out is they really haven't had an opportunity to meet as a K-12, because we haven't brought preschool into this piece yet, but as a K-12 group, do we have the same beliefs around STEM education? We had discussion about STEM, STEAM. What are we? What do we believe in? What do we want all students to be able to know and be able to do when they leave us? It's STEM education. That was a very powerful experience. And they together recognized that we need to think about our middle school and how are we continuing to build on the foundation elementary so that students are continuing to be excited and invested in STEM education and also so it's connected to success in high school and beyond. So they, to answer that question, I think that I, what I always focus in on is, okay, so this is a big picture. How do I narrow it? Who do I need to have together to start talking about where we are and how do we move to the next level? So that is how I would respond to that question around where my focus is. Thank you. That's a great answer. And I really love the example that you used because it's something we can all hang on to of something really act that you, a day that you pulled together to, to make our STEM program more cohesive. And you saw even seeing that there's an opening for improvement in the middle school is, is very exciting. And so much can come from that. That's great. Thank, Thank you for you. all you do. When five years from now, what do you, and this is just a tag along to the last question. What would you look back? What would you be most proud of? Five years from now, I think there's a couple of pieces. One is I would love to see strong pathways in STEM and also looking at our VAPA, our visual performing arts. I would love to take a look at what that looks like across our school district. And when we think about VAPA, Music is definitely something that's very important for our students and valued in our school district. I also think that we need to think about the visual arts and other parts of VAPA and what does that look like for our students. So I think those pathways are, are critical. I'd love to see very strong pathways okay. in five years. The other piece too is I would, my dream would be to see professional learning communities where, and that's basically a culture at every school site where staff members First of all, they feel valued and that they are, that collaboration is protected and that they feel that as a, a cohesive group, they are clear on what they want all students to learn in every subject area and that they know how to respond when students already have mastered the content and maybe haven't, that would be a dream. And with, so that's, again, that does a lot to that. It's clear, clarity around expectations, clarity around content, clarity about how we work as teams. So those are pieces to me that are the most important. That it seems achievable. And you seem like the person who can do that. So thank you. One thing that I'm curious as to why it's so important to you is the VAPA visual arts. That's interesting. Can you just take a step back? I have my daughter plays in the strings orchestra, but I don't know much about the visual arts program. I'm thinking that other parents, if they're not in that world, don't know much about it either. So could you take a minute and speak to that, please? Sure. And honestly, it's something I'm learning about as well, because as I, this last year, I have gotten to know our music department pretty well. And now I have a better understanding of the trajectory for students and what experiences they receive over time. And I, as an ed services assistant superintendent, I feel like I also need to learn more about what does it look like for visual arts in our school district. And visual arts, and then, that's like theater and things and drama and things and like that. that. Well, also thinking about the no, it's performing arts. Okay. And also just when we think about art instruction that we have, I know we have young in art, for example, at elementary, which is my understanding is really reliant on parents who are trained as docents and do this work. And, and my understanding again, and something I have to learn more about, so I'm not sure this should be part of it, is 
the middle school doesn't really have they have like one course is whatever. And um in high school, I think it's very few offerings as well. Music is clear and they're in we have a lot of advocacy for music. I, I think the other parts of the arts are not necessarily as well developed or um nurtured. Great. So I think we and I guess what's most important is that we want all students to find what what they're passionate about. And that and you know, when they when you know they start with us in preschool, most of them, <laughs> a lot of them start in preschool all the way through. We want them to explore and have these experiences. <clears throat> but as they go on to high school and beyond, I really hope that they have a stronger sense of identity. And there's so many different parts of our identity, but what is it we love to do? Because we know as adults, that's so important to find a profession, a career that you're passionate about, you're excited about. And it's, I think it's our role as a K-12, preschool to 12 system to give students every opportunity possible. So it's something I'm interested to learn more about, the VAPA piece. The other pathway, which I, we don't really have a pathway in this right now, but I would be interested to learn more from our community too, is the interest around languages, world languages. I'd be very curious to know if that's something that people are interested in, is it valued? Because when students leave our high school, they do have the opportunity to receive a biliteracy, a seal of biliteracy and an award when they graduate. It's very prestigious to be able to meet those standards of being biliterate. <clears throat> and it's such an important skill. We think about working not only in, in here in our own country, but internationally. And I think that would be something that'd be very interesting to take a closer, to take a closer look at it, if that's an interest. This is important. Like, what do we believe in? What's most important for our students? <clears throat> we can't have every single pathway well-developed, but it's something I think we should, it's worth exploring. Languages are a priority for parents. We learned that in our most recent MBEF survey. And I know MBEF is such a huge part and contributor to our music program. So I'm so glad that you're seeing the value for all students and how this contributes across the board. So I know our MTSS efforts are doing a great job looking at students across the board to measure how we can help them better, how the district can help them better. How about children who need more challenges? Someone described it really interestingly to me recently. They said, if there's a bar, People, kids will hit the bar, but there are a lot of children who want to go above the bar because they have more to give. How are you addressing the needs of those kids? So for th this year, as you mentioned, the MTSS work that is being, well, of course, I, I am the person who oversees MTSS overall for the school district, but we also have an MTSS coordinator. And part of her work is also supporting the GATE program. And with the GATE program, we do identify students that we, we do a test and, and we also identify students that way. But we also want to continue to identify students day to day around looking at what are their, their individual gifts and, and talents that we want to help to, to build and grow. So what we are doing as far as the, the GATE portion of MTSS, we have surveyed our teachers to find out which teachers are interested in either renewing um, or, or getting their initial GATE certification. And we will be working with USC to provide coursework for those teachers. The courses um, are very much focused on depth and complexity. Like how do we take a look at specific content areas and go beyond what standards ask us to do is to go deeper with those standards, but also to think about the complexity of specific topics, perhaps 
Students are given more opportunity to do some research or develop a project. There are numerous ways teachers can go about utilizing this depth and complexity work, but that is the goal of the certification, that teachers have those skills so that they can address the needs of these students in their classroom. That's really exciting. That's So you're doing that too. <laughs> okay, great. I have one more question for you and then I will let you get back. Now I understand why it took two months to get an hour of your time. So thank you again for this hour. Um, my last question is just one of my favorite podcasters asks this question and it's always like a good takeaway. If you had a billboard for parents, how can we best support you and your team and our schools? If you had something we all could see or one message to give us as parents, what would that be? I'm thinking as far as a parent piece, what I've really appreciated in this community is that we have parent leaders who are, it's, it's been incredible we build to achieve. And I think just as an example, the Social Emotional Learning Committee, we have two parent leaders there who have really, they've been such great collaborators and have taken on so much leadership where we can talk through something and then they go and they support. And because of that, we see more consistency across the sites in our focus areas. So to me, being involved, whether it's volunteering, being on committees, that has been really, to me, it's been so helpful. I think that's great. I think so. It would just be get involved. And that what's cool for me to hear in any anyone who consistently listens is that seems that's a message across the board that almost everyone, everyone has given. Wish Weinstein said it perfectly. I loved her. She said, what you put into it, you get out tenfold. Being involved in our schools and in our community, you make friends, you help the schools, you do all these wonderful things. You, we have interactions with people like you. So get, in, so get yes. involved. Is that it? Yes. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I want to thank you. I have, my kids have had incredible experiences at our schools, fifth grader and a ninth grader. And I know I think you're doing great. And I know you think that you have a long way to go. So thank you so much for all the work that you're doing for our community. Thank you. Thanks for, for taking the time to meet with me. Oh, today. it was a pleasure. It was really great getting to know you and talking to you. I learned so much in this conversation with Irene, and I hope you did as well. All this behind the scenes work in our district to keep our schools strong and make them even stronger is so important. And I'm so grateful to Irene and her team. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with another episode of MBEFs in the Know podcast soon.